Tara. What a wonderful phrase. Hakuna Matata. Ain't no person craze. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem free. Welcome back to the Not So Fit Couple podcast with your hosts, Lucy Davis Fit and Benjamin Holden. Today's podcast episode is all about stress and anxiety, and it's actually a topic that is really, really close to our hearts, and we thought it was worthwhile talking about from our personal experience and, I guess, ways that we've dealt with it amongst each other and with other people yeah so as we all say we're not an expert on anxiety or stress it's just something that has affected us i feel like i'm an expert in how over, the, <laughs> over the past few years and something that we want to talk about because we get a lot of questions about it um so firstly kind of want it before i start i just need to <sighs> slow myself down because you said to me at the start of this podcast ben try not to talk too quickly because I get, I get excited about this topic he... because it's something that means a lot to you. Yeah, we both dealt with. Um, so firstly, just wanted to really run over some of the stats and basically the difference between anxiety disorder and the general day-to-day anxiety that people sometimes get. So just hit you with a couple of stats really quickly, which I think is interesting. One in 14 of us have anxiety disorders today and each and every year it costs $42 billion to treat this mental health problem, which is it's obviously crazy. The other thing that we've got to take into consideration is when it comes to anxiety is that it can lead on to other mental health problems and other issues in general life, such as depression, even suicide, which has been a lot of in the media, yeah. um, loss of job, deterioration in relationships. So... Anxiety can also be a catalyst for a lot of other things and open up a can of worms in, in general life. So I think a lot of the time, because we don't fully understand it and realise the severity of it, we often just sweep it under the carpet as often just a bit nervous or just a yeah, bit scared. I think that's, it's because, and I, I'll talk about my experience in a bit, but I think that's always the easiest thing to do. Yeah. Or people think that is the easiest thing to do, to sweep it under the carpet and not really talk about it and deal with it yourself. But from personal experience, that is the worst thing that you can do and it shouldn't be a thing where you feel ashamed of, I guess. Yeah, I guess today more so we're we're trying to talk to and advise advise people on like general or day-to-day anxiety that people often get in different scenarios, not so much anxiety disorders, which is obviously a lot more severe. It's something that people fear from day-to-day, from all day, every day. from going out to the house into social situations, into making decisions, into what you're wearing, worrying about um, what could happen, um, and it constantly affecting you day to day, physically and mentally. That's the difference from what we're kind of talking about, I suppose, today, is that we're talking about maybe anxiety that people get. On like a day to day basis. That basis. springs up on you, yeah. and you can't quite control it. And you can't concentrate, sometimes it might affect sleep. So I think the, the best thing for us to do is just to jump into our experiences with anxiety, how it's affected us and how we've dealt with it. Yeah, so I'll kickstart with this. And if you follow me on social media, you'll probably already know that I suffer with quite high levels of anxiety and I always have. So 
I've always been the type of person to be very OCDly organized and I just have a certain way to do things which can actually affect anxiety because when something doesn't go your way or something happens that changes the situation you start worrying about it so ever since I was a swimmer I would say about the age of 17 18 I've always had pretty high levels of anxiety now I start swimming and I did carry on this anxiety through uni and what actually happened to me and to be fair it was quite controlled through uni I didn't really think I had anything wrong essentially but when I look back I had really bad stomach pains and this might relate to quite a lot of people who aren't sure with like IBS endometriosis and bowel issues and things like that so it's crazy by the way (laughs) yeah it's literally ridiculous I was under investigation for two and a half years with chronic um, bowel and womb, not sure which one it was, pain. And I ended up having to go private because nobody could help me. I couldn't walk, I couldn't work, I couldn't train, I couldn't really do anything. And this is when I did, I was just, we were just getting together as well. And it was really hard for Ben to see me like this because I physically couldn't do anything. So went through all these examinations, X, Y, and Z, over that two-year period... And I had a laparoscopy, which is basically where they go in with a little cameras inside of you, um, through your belly button. I think you've really just played that down. It's basically surgery to open up your stomach yeah, and look was, inside you. It was surgery to open you up. But, you know, I'm just trying to do like a little bit of a chill way to explain it because we thought it was either endometriosis, pelvic inflammatory disease, um, a really bad form of IBS, something really badly wrong with my bowel because the pain was so bad. So they went in, had a little look, and they noticed that My bowel was twice the size it should have been, very red and inflamed. But this wasn't actually due to any food that I was eating. It wasn't endometriosis, very thankful for that. After going through the whole FODMAP diet. After going through the whole FODMAP FODMAP diet, trying to cut all these foods out and literally just eating chicken and aubergine. And it ended up being that it was my anxiety that was causing so much stress onto my bowel because your mind affects your gut so my gut was having a really bad time for all these years and it didn't know why because I personally didn't think I had anxiety so I wasn't doing anything to control it. Ben was the actual one who said, I think this is anxiety. The GPs, the consultants, they all confirmed this as well through tests, X, Y and Z. And when I started to control it, I actually started to go into cognitive behavioural therapy I really started looking after my mind. I started writing in a journal, just like yoga, relaxing, taking some time out of work, walking, just things that were making me happy. And the pain in my stomach went away after two and a half years, which was just mind-blowing. And that was one of the, the points where I was most proud of you was when oh, I went you, to you did that because I think it was a really hot... I think the biggest thing is accepting that you have it. Yeah, like, I did I think, go for three months. Yeah, and, but then when you did, you spoke to me about it for the first time ever. A bit of an emotional period. It was emotional. <laughs> and then you went to the CBT and a couple of sessions in, you were great from it because yeah. I think it was the acceptance first. And then I think I remember when you came on back from one of the sessions and I was digging into a decaf Americana with hot mm-hmm. soy milk and Starbucks waiting for you. You were talking to me about, um, how did they put it? It was like, Oh, putting things into court. Putting things into court. And finding evidence to support your anxious thoughts. Yeah. And I think yeah. a similar quote that I've heard in dealing with anxiety is, is that because you're always telling yourself how bad you are, how bad you're going to do with this, what the problem's going to be, seeing a negative in it, and, and so always seeing those negative parts of your life. If you had a friend, say that, say that you're conscious of your friend, 
who is telling you all these bad things that like you're this, you're that, you're shit at this, you're bad at that, you're going to mess up this. You wouldn't be friends with that yeah. person. So why would you let yourself be that horrible to you as well? Yeah. Which is a great analogy to have as well. Yeah, that's really true. So that's my experience. And I still get really bad anxiety. It goes up and down. I sometimes wake up with it. Um, but we'll go into that in more detail in terms of like how we both deal with stresses and anxiety yeah. of everyday life. But that is my personal experience. Yeah, I think just drawn into my personal experience of anxiety, I, when I pretty much went through it at a stage in my life, I didn't even know that I had it or didn't even know what it was. So I think mm. a lot of us can be dealing with it and not even know we have it because, it's again, insane. I don't think anyone really understands it. Not not anyone, but a lot, a lot of people wouldn't understand it. Mm-hmm. So... I had a really bad bout of anxiety when I was working for the police in Cheshire Police a few years back, and that's why I ended up quitting my job. So when we talk about losing our jobs, I think that, that's a pretty good example of, of how it can happen. Yeah, so I was I was working for the police and enjoying the job um, when I first got in, enjoying my day to day, what I was doing, but then it started to deteriorate when you kind of go solo in the police. So after you've left your tour. And you go into doing solo work, so to speak, sometimes is when my anxiety got bad because I didn't feel like I was qualified enough to do the job. I didn't feel like I was experienced enough. So I started doubting myself. And obviously, when you're in the police, you're dealing with public situations where you have a lot of eyes on you and you're expected to take control of situations, act and do things on your own. And obviously, at the same time, uphold the law. So I felt it was a lot of pressure on me at that point, which, again, I'll, I'll go into a little bit later about... Um, I've forgotten the word now. Which word are you looking for? Um, I've like oh, imposter syndrome. So that's kind of what I felt. And at the same time, I was dealing with. I don't like to call it bullying, but I guess but it pretty bullying. much was. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was I was pretty much bullied by another colleague when I was there, which gave me even worse anxiety. I didn't even know at the time I was really being bullied, and it got to a point where I'd I'd be driving to work. On my way to work, seven o'clock, on the same motorway, it was like the same spot on my way to work. I'd feel anxious. My heart would be going through the roof. I didn't Sweat even, palms. I didn't even want to go to work. Like it's the same point every day when I was going in, and it was over and over and over and over again. To the point where I hated the job, I hated going, I hate even the thought of just getting ready to go to work. And I remember some days, not even in the summer, walking around with my body on it and being piss wet through, like soaking, because. I was just nervous in the job. I wasn't like comfortable. I was like, I can't carry on like this. And that's when I started doing the PT on the side, some online training. I was like, this is this is my go-to to get all this. This is my safety net. This is where I feel comfortable and this is what I want to transition to because I can't see myself doing this for another 30 years. But at the time, I didn't even know it was anxiety. I just didn't even know what it was. So that was kind of my personal experience with anxiety, even though I didn't know I had it at the time. But I think what it has gave me is a big learning curve and now gave me coping mechanisms that I can take into other scenarios of when I may be anxious in other parts of my life. Yeah, I agree completely. And obviously we are both on social media now and I think more so for me at the very start, I felt super anxious and really pressured like with social media and, and being like a public figure on it and it really daunted me and I'd get anxious if, anxious if I didn't put a post up in time or but put a post up every day for example I used to think like everyone's gonna hate me and it was ridiculous because that's not even true and I think I've become a lot better with that 
over the years and I think also you're the same mm-hmm. with how we both approach social media and we don't take too much pressure from it and we really enjoy it and we we love helping people I think that's the biggest thing like there's a lot of negatives that come with social media but it's also massively positive as well the, the feeling that you get positive. from helping people and it was from the weekend speaking to some of the girls at the Gymshark event who were there and some of their experiences with like hate and criticism online how it made them feel but then when you speak about it the amount of positive messages that you get in comparison to negative yeah. is unbelievable but you always focus your attention on that one negative like I woke up this morning and I said to you I was a bit pissed off because some C-U-N-T don't say it. <laughs> Pardon my language. I'd commented on one of the videos just basically saying how much of Bellender was, how I looked a certain way, and bloody, bloody, blah. When all, all I was doing on that video was generally just helping people with an exercise. Yeah. So it's funny how you get it and not hate. It's, and most of the time it's jealousy just from that. But that even still, me looking at that comment and batting it off or giving positive energy back out, it still gives you that little thing that's like why like why is someone yeah, bothered to comment on that like give me shit just fuck off mate um so social media has its positives and negatives you've got to be a certain person to to move forward with that and i think this is probably a good point to transition into people's everyday fears sometimes when it comes to anxiety and fear and probably what we get messaged most about which is about training in the gym yeah gym anxiety this is a question we get asked pretty much every single day And I get it from a lot of women who want to go in the gym, but they're too scared to go in the weight section of the gym. They don't feel like they belong there or they can't or they don't know what to do. That's the exact reason we created the My Coach School, www.mycoachschool.com. Seriously, though, check it out if you're a beginner. There's videos on there, coaching videos. Yeah, coaching videos on anxiety. It's why we have our Instagrams. That's why my message is to empower women to feel strong within themselves. And, yeah, that was a fist bump right there. And also, you're literally just going into an area where there is iron plates, just iron, bit of metal, and you're picking it up. It honestly does not matter who else is in that gym. And in general, gyms are very egotistical places. People only care about themselves, which isn't a bad thing. They are focusing on themselves on their goal, on their workout, on the music they're listening to, how they're getting on, probably what they're doing the next day. And what I always say to people, because like, oh, they're staring at me. I'm like, they're probably not staring at you, but there's not a lot of things to look at in a gym. So they're, they're, they're just looking around and it just happens that they catch your eye. And I say that to everyone because you yourself probably do it by accident. Like you put your dumbbells down, you look around the gym, you might catch your eye with someone in the mirror and then that person thinks, oh shit, they're staring at me like, am I doing something wrong? And it, you're not doing anything wrong. You're more than anything. You're you're supposed to be there training for yourself. Well, most people probably do that because most people probably look around, see someone else looking at them. And it's the fact that everyone's doing the same thing, like looking if someone's looking at them. Do you know what I mean? So you get that double take. But it's a, it's exactly the same for guys as well, not just females. Like yeah. when I first started training, I was massively insecure i just train um on the machines that are around the gym out of sight so no one would look at me and um, because i used to train in one of those proper hardcore old school bodybuilder gyms mm. and it was it was like that vibe i used to train like two hoodies to keep myself covered up i didn't feel confident doing certain movements which and exactly again which is why we did build a micro school because it helped people learn how to perform ex- exercise properly be confident when they go into the gym and have someone to follow when they go in and that, that's a really important and powerful message because that's why I run my social media page now is to help people who 
don't have access to workouts or don't know what to do in the gym and they can quite easily simply flick through. Flick through? Flick through. Don't start the coronavirus. <laughs> flick through and be able to complete something. It's not just to get my dick hard because I want to watch myself doing videos and bicep curls. It's genuinely because I care about helping other people and the guy that I was 10 years ago. So I think it's really important to emphasise that in order to help yourself in the gym because that's the place where you're going to get better and grow there's probably three tips that I always give to people or clients who fit, have that feeling of fear in the gym one of them is obviously to follow a program or have some videos to follow so that you feel confident in the exercise you're doing the second thing would be between rest sets because generally that's the time when most people are looking around seeing that people are looking feel a little bit unconfident start putting self-doubt in the head time your rest times yeah. put a stopwatch on your clock whether it's a minute a minute and a half because it's going to keep you focused on something whilst you are during that rest where sometimes you start for self-doubt third thing for me is one of the biggest things bang in some decent tunes oh I love a tune yeah. I love Eminem and we've got them on the MCS playlist yes we? the What's MCS it? playlist is called Time to Lift Time to Lift and it'll change your lifting life yeah because and in there sometimes and even I feel sometimes a little bit anxious or a bit whatever and I'll put Eminem on and be like, bang, shit is going down. Yeah. I'm going to lift. This get into is survival of the fittest. Who's that? Eminem. This. Okay. You this. just spoiled my whole childhood of reminiscing Eminem. But um, I suppose this this nicely slides into the, the next part of what I'd like to talk about, which is, is fear. And I had an event last week in Leeds with a very fine gentleman Called. I think he's really cool. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Let's see. <laughs> um, called Ant Middleton, who probably most of you will know from SAS Who Dares Wins. Mm-hmm. Really, really cool guy. He's got a couple of books out. And he has obviously been for a lot of life experiences in the SAS, in the military, um, and with a lot of other stuff he's done, in particular mm-hmm. talking now, uh, what he does for a living and day to day, and his tours. So, Ant within his books, I haven't read the full book by the way, guilty, mm-hmm. is he talks a lot about something called the fear bubble and the fear bubble, he was talking about last week at the event that we were at, um, as the HQ, where he talks about how fear is a good thing and how he now sees it as a positive. He was talking about it in first in regards to his military days. So I remember telling you this story, wasn't I, last week about, yeah. I'll keep it nice and brief and short because he'll probably tell it at some point in his book and in some of his talks, but he was about to basically go into a room um, full of the enemy, I suppose that's how you put it, yeah. and he couldn't move, he was glued to the spot, through fear, he couldn't, he couldn't move and go through that door, and he went to try and go through again, and couldn't move again, waited another 10 seconds, couldn't go through again, and because he was he planted there through fear, he couldn't move, and it was only because his colleague, he said, squeeze him on the shoulder, didn't say anything, squeeze him on the shoulder, and from that, he said, anxiety just left his body because he, was, because he was reassured and he felt like someone, someone was there with him. And he, he then went on to explain about some of the experiences that he'd been through and how now when he tackles stuff, he knows there's an end destination and that's what he's scared of getting to. So what he'll do is he'll approach it one step at a time because a lot of time people take a big chunk of the apple and that's where people get fearful because they try to do too much too soon. If you take really steps forward, small steps forward, small steps forward towards that end point and that, that end goal. By the time you know it, you're already halfway there and you look back at how far you've come and then it's 
it's easier for you to get to the final destination rather than go backwards. So by putting yourself in those little small fearful situations and addressing fear and not shying away from it and tackling it, taking small steps forward to it, it's going to help you get to that end destination. And that's why he says now that he really encourages fear and he gets excited by the feeling of it because he knows whenever he's in that fear bubble or whenever he feels fear, he knows that he's going to self-develop and he's growing as a person because he's getting close to somewhere that he's never been before. And I think that's just a really interesting and positive perspective to have on it. And it really made me feel think about a lot of situations. And he even said, because this is addressing one of my fears at the moment and something that we spoke about that we wanted to do more this year. I get really scared and nervous about doing public speaking, which is probably what a lot of people wouldn't even think because of the amount of talking that we do and the yeah. amount of we're on social media. But I still get... It is scary. Yeah, I still get scared doing public speaking, which is what I need to do more of. And Ant was talking about this last week and he said even sometimes you get scared about it and that when he first started doing public speaking, he was more scared of that than he would be going and doing military operations. So it's crazy looking at the different perspectives and how some people's fear comes into it, but I just thought that was a really interesting way to approach it. It was, and I think that's just something... I think thinking about fear is a really important thing because I feel like it's not something we think about that commonly. We don't associate it, but it actually is really, really important. And just to move on to the next part of the podcast and... At the start, you will have listened to a very famous song. Yeah. Hakuna Matata. And what a wonderful phrase. <laughs> so this means no worries. For the rest of your days, it's our problem-free philosophy, Hakuna Matata. And it's just really nice. So I think it's important to kind of take yourself away from the stresses and the anxiety of life sometimes and think back to when you were a child and how carefree you were. Well, we put this in because we were on the way back from my house driving to Matt. So we had an hour drive and we put this this song on, didn't we? We put a Disney playlist on on the way back from, uh, from Liverpool to Manchester. I think it was on Monday. And honestly, we put it on, this song came on, the Lion King song, and... I just felt like that Aunt Middleton moment where he said everything just anxiety left his body. Honestly, I was belting Akuna Matata out on the top of my voice and just anxiety left my body. And I believe, and I think this was because it took me back to feeling when I was a kid. Yeah. And when you're a kid, you don't have any stress. The hardest decision when you're a kid is choosing the colour of crayon to use. Yeah. Or, or choosing what I was going to have for my school dinner. Is it going to yeah. be turkey twizzlers? Or was, oh it God, was it going to be smiley faces? Or was it going to be smiley faces? You had yeah. no big stressful decisions to make. And I think that's why I like we're going to Disney, aren't we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Being big kids yeah. in 10 weeks, not that I'm counting. Yeah. And it just really gives you that sense of being a child again. Takes you back to those days where you had no stress and no worries. And that's why I like, love Disney. I love listening to Disney. I think it's important to do things that really chill you out or take you back to those days where you do have no worries and you do have no stress um, because you don't have any big decisions to make. So I thought that that's pretty much why we included that song in the intro. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Literally, we sum that up. We thought we'd add that in there for you. Now, the products and, I guess, medicines in terms of anxiety and stress that we've both had personal experiences with, again, not medical experts, if you are suffering with anxiety, depression, obviously you see your GP, X, Y, and Z. But these are more natural things that we have 
um, taken ourselves over mm-hmm. this period of time. Now, the first one is ashwagandha, and it is best known for its stress-lowering effects. Now, it's a herb that appears to lower your levels of cortisol, and that's a hormone produced by your adrenal glands in response to stress. You've probably heard of it before. And more specifically in terms of doses... Doses? Doses. Dose, doses. Dosage. Dosage. 125 milligrams to 5 grams for a one to three month period has shown to lower cortisol levels by 11 to 32%. So obviously that's massive. Yeah. That's, a, that's a huge reduction in your stress levels. And obviously you need cortisol, you need that response to fight flight. But obviously when it goes above a certain level, you can feel extremely stressed. And we both mm-hmm. take this supplement still. And maybe it's something worthwhile for other people to try. And the second one that I take every single day is CBD oil. Now there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of companies out there who sell crap ones. I'm not gonna lie. But I have a fantastic one and I've been taking it for probably I say like four to five months yeah. now. It's something that I've taken for a very, very long time. And you just drop it in your mouth and even maybe so it could be a placebo to some extent, I like the fact that I am taking it. And it's, is it cannabis? It's a cannabis resin. So basically it's, it's a non, what was the word I've read that? It's non-psych, is it psychedelic? Psychoactive. It's not, it's a non-psychoactive. So that feeling that you get from um, cannabis that caused that sensation of, wow, I've got the whirlies and getting high. Which is associated, with, which is associated with ma- marijuana. Is not what you get from CBD. CBD is an extract from the cannabis plant. Um, however, it's obviously mixed with like oil, um, coconut or hemp seed oil. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not a. It's not, you're not smoking cannabis. Yeah, not just uh, getting. What do you say then, wavy? The whirlies. The whirlies. I've never heard of that at all. Um, so yeah, I have personally been taking CBD for a pretty long time now, and like I said, I'm not sure if it is a placebo or whatever, but I, sorry you. <laughs> no, I think that's the case with a lot with, with any medicines. I think you can get a massive placebo effect from it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't really use CBD as much as you do, but the one thing I have been using is ashwagandha a lot, especially since USN brought it out. I've been taking, I think it's 500 milligrams per day, um, which in another study has showed that 500, 600 milligrams of ashwagandha um, for like six to 12 weeks can reduce anxiety and lower the likelihood of things like insomnia um, in, in sleep and with stress and anxiety disorders. So I've been using it for that. I think it's a great product. I'll continue to use it. Obviously, it has other benefits such to do with your training, your performance, mm-hmm. sports, it helps with recovery. It's a Am I getting this word right? An anti-inflammatory. Yes. Smashed it. So it's anti-inflammatory as well. So I, I really wait, wait. I really rate ashwagandha and think it's a really good product. And I know you just touched on before um, a term which is fight or flight. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I am flight. That is really important (laughs) because going back to, to when I get nervous and when I get fearful about speaking events, I know that I start to get dry mouth. I start to get twitchy hands. I start to get like a heartbeat in my belly, which a lot of people get when they're nervous. And that is your fight or flight. And it's something that you don't need in that situation. That goes back to like our primal instincts of when we were cavemen and stuff. Because if you came up against a big bear or whatever it was in the wild, 
you'd have that natural fight or flight and your mouth would go dry because you don't need to talk, your fists are clenched, mm-hmm. you get really tense because you're ready to either fight or run away. And obviously we don't need that when we're talking, but it's something that still naturally happens. It's something that I need to try and get rid of because it doesn't help my talking. But again, it's a natural instinct. Primate goes back and that's why we sometimes get that 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 fight or flight instinct. Yeah, 100%. Now, what, well, another thing, this isn't a medical thing, a medicine, is actually talking, talking, physically talking to other people. Now, I was pretty bad at this. I shut myself off. I did it at university. I literally didn't didn't want to leave my room. I didn't want to be in public. I then did it when we were together and I really shut myself off and I didn't want to share how I was feeling. I kept saying, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, nothing's wrong. And it probably took me two months to open up about why I was anxious, why I was feeling anxious. I'd let so many things get on top of me and I was struggling on my own. And that's a really important thing to note is the fact that I was struggling on my own. I had nobody to talk to. I felt like I was very trapped. I felt like I was the only person in the world who was dealing with this. And as soon as I talked to one, my therapist, and two, Ben, I felt so much better. Like, I'd had this whole weight lifted off my shoulders and I can't explain to you how important it is for you as a person if you do suffer with anxiety or depression or you feel like you're going through something, talk to someone. They're not They're not going to say anything. Yeah, because you can ask someone how they feel as many times as like, but if you're just saying, oh, I'm okay, it's just yeah. putting a blanket over it, isn't it? It's not really addressing it. And I'm a big believer in just asking people if they are okay because even though people may see they're okay or portray that they're okay on social media they 100% may not be and that's something that I obviously kept asking you but there was something underlying that, which until we addressed it didn't really come to light yeah because that well I've said that from the start I didn't take action for months I was just dealing with it on my own I said to Ben every single time no no I'm okay like um, and I, I actually started to get quite snappy mm-hmm. with you didn't I I was yeah. like no no I'm fine like nothing's wrong with me um, so yeah Definitely, definitely talk to someone. That's why I think it's massively about the social element of things and addressing it and us learning more about the topic rather than just trying to fix everything with a pill or a medicine, which I know there's a lot about that which helps people with that, but I'm a big advocate in just talking. Like, after we do these podcasts on a week-to-week basis, I feel amazing. You feel really good. Oh, after I've done my daily email because it's like I can, guess, I, can guess, <laughs> I can get stuff off my chest and yeah. tell people about it. Although I'm maybe talking to someone directly to it about it, apart from you, I just feel great from talking about problems and opening up about stuff and I get great feedback from it about other people in the same position or how much it's helped them which is like you've just been saying, talking is a, a really good thing but I think following from on that is, is taking action on that as well. You've got to be proactive with um, your mental health even before things happen it's the same with your physical health like mm-hmm. everybody's going to the gym they're getting fit and healthy but if you don't look after your mental health your mental state your cognitive state that will deteriorate mm-hmm. especially if you're somebody who does suffer with anxiety or depression so you really really have to put things into practice to look after your mental health so for example i keep a journal i write gratitude in it every day i write about my day um, if I had like levels of stress, anxiety, or anything like that, I have a few apps that I've kind of dabbled with. Oh, yeah, that's so, cool. Do you want to mention some of those? Yeah, so Headspace is really good, and then also the Calm app, like listening to them before bed and things. 
Personally, for me, cognitive behavioural therapy, that was absolutely fantastic. Yoga. And I think it was so beneficial. Yoga, which is something that me and Ben both started to do um, at the start of probably halfway through last year. Yeah. Again, we absolutely amazing. We get back amazing. into a bit more, don't we? <laughs> yeah, we do. I'm flexible. But they're all things that I personally have definitely, definitely found advantageous to my anxiety and stress. That was you taking action with it, and that's a big thing and a big thing that I'm a believer of. And just quoting two really um, inspirational people, one being Gary Vee and the other being Grant Cardone. Gary Vee talks about how everything is your fault. And I know that probably seems quite harsh or quite difficult to get your head around, especially when dealing with anxiety. But when you start to believe that everything is your fault within reason, you then have control over things and you will a lot of time with anxiety be worrying about what is going to happen to you rather than choosing what is going to happen to you yeah. and, and making shit happen so when you believe that you are control of it you can take action with it and you can fix it and you can improve on stuff when you feel like you have little self-control or something is when you start worrying about things because you're worrying about what's going to happen to you and that's something that Gary Vee talks a lot about and Grant, I think it's Cordon, I apologise, I'm saying his name wrong. But he includes, he includes in his book the Times 10 rule, doesn't he? But everything's your fault and taking action. So that's a really good book, by the way, to yeah. read. It's the Times 10 rule. He's a really cool guy. Um, and it's an analogy that we try to live by, isn't it? About making mistakes and trying to avoid the perfection card. I think, mm-hmm. And I think that's something we both do sometimes is we try to perfect stuff or we try to be perfect with stuff which puts more pressure on us where sometimes to achieve something or to do something it's just about taking imperfect action yeah oh I love that it look at a, you Mr Quote well, you know what I mean I'm just spitting them out spitting bars today that, <laughs> that's really good and obviously this leads us more so onto our well just before you do oh this well, just we're on the action course. Another a really guy that I look up to, I've been coached by before, is Jamie Alden, who's got a, a similar quote, a quote where he's talking about people who sometimes look like they're perfect. But so he used the duck analogy. So if you could see a duck floating on water, mm-hmm. they look really perfect, elegant. But then if you could see below the water, the padding like fuck. Aren't they yeah. underneath the water yeah. going crazy? But you never see that part of it. Like especially with social media, you just see this real clean, perfect image. Wow, that's but you don't advice. see underneath like them paddling like fuck to stay afloat. And this is the thing that happens a lot of the time. And people start comparing themselves to other people, what they should be doing, how stressed they are, and panicking about things. When in essence, we're all just fucking winging it. Yeah. So I like that. So that, was that was a good little one just to end before we go on to the imposter syndrome now big one yeah big one this is what ben briefly touched on before and it's something we've definitely both experienced i think actually a lot of people do experience this and it describes feelings of severe inadequacy and self-doubt that can leave people fearing that they'll be i guess exposed as a fraud and this is usually in their work lives now i know you touched on this before Mm -hmm. And I've definitely had it where I, I just, I self-doubt a lot of things that I do or I feel like, oh, if I film this video, oh my gosh, is that wrong? Am I saying this wrong? Mm-hmm. Oh, even stuff like, oh my God, is that backed by science? Like a lot of things in our industry, it's quite difficult to so much stuff that con- because there's so yeah. much stuff that contradicts um, one another. And 
it's something that you have to just learn to control over time and show yourself a bit of self-love mm-hmm. like you're you're not a fraud you, you don't self-doubt yourself show more positivity be kinder to yourself is a massive one yeah i used to be so horrible to my head my head i guess when i had anxiety and i used to just say like you're so ugly or this you're that oh you can't do this you can't tell that video was shit like there was just so much stuff that would go on in my head and actually I'm a really, really positive person. It was just this imposter syndrome that I had overcome me. But that's the, the, the reason why I get fear about public speaking is that I'm not good enough to do it or I'm saying the wrong thing or people are basically going to think I'm a bit of a tosser. When I know James Smith, one of our friends, has talked about this before and he, how he's even felt it. And yeah. when you look at someone like a guy that who's in a position that he is, he is in, really successful, cool guy, uh, helping a lot of people, even he gets it. So I think it's normal for us to sometimes feel that we are inadequate or a fraud or we're not doing it properly but you need to take a step back and just see what your message is and that you're actually trying to help people mm-hmm. you're trying to help people in life with whatever they're doing for, for us it's health and fitness and well-being and that's why we're continuing to make content is because of that and I think for me drawing back on when I first started making videos how much I was shit myself and how much how many videos I probably recorded and didn't put out there yeah. because I was fearful of being a fraud or this imposter syndrome is incredible but you have to make mistakes you can't be perfect all, all the time. You're going to get stuff wrong. And when you realise that, it makes things a lot better. So I think this just to nicely finishes off on this podcast. Um, I think a big thing for me is when I was looking to overcome some stress or, or overcome goals is... Overcome goals. Sorry, I jumped ahead of the gun. <laughs> overcome goals. <laughs> overcome stress and anxiety is having goals and having direction because I think a lot of time we stress or have anxiety because we've underachieved or we haven't achieved something so if we can set goals out set a process have some direction and know where we're heading it makes things a hell of a lot less stressful because you can bat away those things that don't really have any difference or don't make a massive difference to what your end point is and little things are going to happen along the way but if we know what our bigger purpose is in life then those little things we can just bat them off because our big our goals are a lot bigger than that and I've only just thought that that really comes back to that book that both me and you have read is sort of of not giving a fuck. Yeah. Because it's all about what your biggest purpose is in life and how these little things that you might wake up, stand on a plug, stub your toe, do some shit, whatever, something negative has happened to you. But again, it's not as big as what your own purpose is in life. Perspective. I love that perspective. Put everything into perspective. And one person orders that and I give you the same quote all the time. I train with this guy called Paul. Paul Smith, great guy. He's in his 60s and he's fit as a fiddle. And mentally... I mean, he can do 100 burpees fit as a fiddle. Yeah. And mentally, he's just like one of the most switched on cool guys I've ever met in my life. And he's a really good friend to me. I've been friends with him for a few years. And the thing that he always tells me when anything ever goes wrong is that if it hasn't killed you, you're going to be all right. Yeah. Oh, that's a beautiful way to... To finish off the podcast. podcast. And I always think about that because it doesn't matter what the negative that just happened. I'm still here. Still alive, still got a roof over my head, and I can come back from it. Amazing. Oh, well, we loved this topic. I feel, I feel very de stressed. I feel very zen. Yeah. <laughs> um, we really, really hoped you enjoyed it and can obviously take something away bit from this podcast. Today. It was a little bit of a longer one, and we just hope you enjoyed it and it's valuable to you. We love seeing you share the podcast on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram, tagging us, tagging the My Coach School. 
It's absolutely incredible. If you've got a spare two seconds, it'll literally please, take two seconds. Please. Please leave us a little review. We really, really appreciate really helps all your us. support. And um, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, whatever you're doing. Well, one thing you should do after this podcast is put a Kuna Matata on and just sing your, oh, sing yeah, your life away in the car. Get the Disney playlist on. Blast it out at the top of your voice on your way <laughs> from work or wherever you're going. Bye, guys. Take care.